Listening to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a newborn. <laughs> I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. And we are the home of Pushing It Podcast and all of our fashion faux pas. Oh man. And today, this podcast is brought to you by Jen's Caesar Pants. <laughs> It's it's quite the it's quite the day for us here. Um, I just as we started recording, I took a big swig of my coffee, oh. and it kind of sounded like I was drinking out of an adult sized um, uh, sippy cup because yeah. it made that. Oh, don't do it, Jen! Don't sort do of it. Sound. Don't make me delete the whole podcast. I know, right? Don't Elise do is it. like, don't you dare do it. Don't you? I know. Don't you? We're not recording it. No, nope. I will. I will throw this in the trash right now. I will smash microphones. So, uh, listeners, we just have to. I know that we often describe what we're wearing. I know. It's kind of our thing around here. Well, mostly when Jen calls me a mofo. Yeah, when there's I'm that. Dressed in something boho. So this morning, I got dressed in my cute little <laughs> black leggings. And little black You're looking super t-shirt. cute. I know it is very cute. So incredibly X-rated. <laughs> and then I got out of my car, um, and I was walking in, and I was like, "Wait, why can I see my legs a little bit through these black a little leggings? Bit. A little bit. <laughs> I can see the stitching on Jen's underwear. So then I walk in, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, that totally makes sense now. I bought some black long underwear and I have black leggings. Well, which one do you think I'm wearing today? The leggings or the long underwear? I've got tights with more coverage than those bands. <laughs> I I'm actually like, think I have pantyhose with yes, more coverage than I those have bands, Jen. Caucasian skin underneath these black long underwear I'm just type glad things. you didn't wear polka dot underwear today oh, me because too. we did see other people. This is not a private office. Yeah. Our office is oh, in yeah. a yoga studio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thankfully, I have a long, it's a very cute, like, rain overcoatish type coat. And uh, while Elise was doing an appointment with somebody, I walked down and got us coffee. And I came back and she goes, what did you wear to go get that coffee? Jen almost got us free coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No, they'd be paying me to put my clothes back on. Oh, cover that up. Stop it. Yeah. Anyway, so there's yet another adventure in uh, clothing. Oh, Elise also made a little faux pas today. She totally spilled coffee on her it shirt. It dried. Oh, maybe. Oh, it did? It, it did. dried. It looks I fine. know that it can dry on this shirt because this is not oh the first gosh. time I've dumped coffee on this shirt if today. We, if we put you in white light, would there be like splotches all yeah. over your shirt? It's like a crime scene. Yeah, crime yep. scene on the shirt. It's true. Um, for every cup of coffee I've had, I have a stain to match it on my shirt. This is what we call a hot mess. This is also not the first time I've called myself a hot mess on this show. Uh, well, when you're just trying to get everything done that you got to do in life, that's right? what happens, right? Also, when you drink as much coffee as I do, like... True. I think that could be like a story problem in math. Oh. Right? Like, how? Like what's Ooh. the? what are the chances of wearing coffee... Like how many? Like what are the odds of dumping coffee on your outfit multiple times a day? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's lots of ways you could go with that, Elise. <laughs> lots of ways. Five cups of coffee yeah. a day. There we go. We live up to the Seattle stereotype around here, folks. It's true. So let's let's tie that in with what we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, tell me how you're going to do it. Well, I gotta say that coffee is um, kind of like a natural endorphin. For endorphin, me. not oh. adrenaline. No, endorphin. Oh, I like it. Because it's a feel-good it's a feel good thing for me. And we, we do oh, things to true. raise our endorphins. I got to say, um, along, along, ugh, let me try that again. Um, along these same lines of coffee. So <laughs> I had three kids under the age of three. 
So I baby and a three-year-old. Well, yeah, that'll no. That's the adrenaline that it raises, not so much the endorphins. So it was always looking for ways to raise my endorphins. And I remember that I would have a cup of coffee that I'd probably drink half of, right? And I'm like, oh, the idea of coffee, woohoo! And so I'd go and take my coffee and I'd microwave which we all know how Elise feels about microwave and coffee. Uh It's terrible. You could see my face right now. Oh, yeah. And so then I would microwave my coffee, and then I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to drink the coffee. So by then, in the microwave, it's already cooled down, so I'd heat it back up. And then finally, I'd drink it. And I remember my mom came to visit. I could just taste that right now. Are you guys with me on this? Oh, my gosh. Can you just taste, like... Well, I couldn't be making that many cups of coffee. We didn't have an electric coffee pot. We had a plunger thing, so... You can't, like, remake the plunger coffee just because... Anyway, my mom comes to visit, and she's like, Jen, it appears that you drink a lot of coffee, but you don't. You just reheat up the same cup of coffee, like, ten times. Oh, and God, then, yeah. that sounds terrible, That's Jack. pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like I need to take away your microwave privileges. Oh, yeah, it's not the best microwave and coffee. But the my point in all of this is that the idea of having a hot cup of coffee was getting me through, even if it wasn't actually raising your coffee. Endorphins, right? Yeah. yeah. So if I was going to segue your see-through pants into our topic today, I would say oh. <laughs> as Jen hangs her head in shame right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you going to segue this? I'm just waiting. I know. This is great. Um, I would say that endorphins are what allow you to go into the hindbrain oh. in labor and not care about reaching the naked stage of labor, much like Jed is in the <laughs> naked stage of her day. <laughs> we are talking about active labor. We already Play, uh, previously did active labor part one let's get this baby out and it was all about let's get physical we were talking about things you can do for moving your body to get your baby down and out this week we're talking about comfort measures and hormones and how to get in your body and out of your head out of your head into your body into your body I like the way you just said that because I I feel like there is some talk in the birth community about getting out of your body, meaning like, oh, just kind of pretend it's not happening, visualization, that type of thing. Whereas I think when um, what we're encouraging people to do is to actually be present in their body to understand that the strength of the feelings you're having, the strength of what your uterus is doing, the strength of the contractions, it's actually your body doing this right it's not an outside source it's your body and then how do we actually work with our bodies in that um because to me at least there's a difference between um working with something my body's doing versus like there's this outside force that's coming at me does that make sense it's sort of like the difference between going for a run on a straight versus going for a run on a treadmill how (laughs) (laughs) and i just blew jen's mind it's like wait tell me more the treadmill can be like way more than you can handle you're like whoa 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 somebody turn this treadmill up like you didn't have time to gear up oh that makes sense Yeah, yeah 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 so what we're what we're encouraging is um for you to recognize that this is a strength of your own body this is not an outside force that's doing something to you and that there might be a really different um, almost like a switch in your brain that kind of connects in and you go oh yeah okay I can do this this is my body this is um, how I can handle this Um, and to explore that a little bit more like Elise said we're going to be talking about some hormones so let's start first with um, those natural hormones that we talked about my coffee that endorphin, right? Yes, absolutely. And I first, I want to just say, you know, we're talking about getting into your body. And one of the things that come that I really think about is the big difference with labor and other pain that we experience in life is that in labor, it's one of the only pains that we experience where we need to go into it. Yeah. Where if I touch a hot burner... Absolutely. I, I'm not going to, like, lean in and breathe. Yeah, totally. I need to get my hand off that stove or I'm going to cause more pain. Where yeah. in labor, 
I need to take a big breath and lean in. Yeah. And what we're also encouraging there is to see the difference between this type of discomfort um, in labor than how that is actually different than other times that our body expresses discomfort, right? Going back to that illustration Elise just gave, if we touch something hot, of course, we're like, boom, pull back from this. And as we've talked about before on this podcast, when we have a contraction, for us to start to kind of rise up in our bodies, this is when I wish it was a video, because you would see me kind of um, rising up out of my chair. Oh, no, here's a contraction. I tense up. I start to arch my back a little bit, and I'm coming out of the chair because I'm trying to get away from this discomfort versus all right, let me take this deep breath and let me settle in. And it makes it sound so graceful the way that we're describing it. And we totally recognize that it's not always looking or sounding or feeling as graceful as we're trying to make it sound, but it can. Yeah. You know? In fact, if you want to try a little experiment, um, I used to have my classes do this when I taught a five-week class. I would make everybody sit in their chairs and put their feet on the ground and sit up really tall And everybody hated this. It was so awkward, but it was such a great, kind of an icebreaker. Um, And I would say, okay, at the count of three, everybody has to close their eyes, and we're all going to scream the most high-pitched scream at the same time. We're not going to do it because, you know. That's awkward. Ears. Yeah. Um, You might have headphones in. Um, But you can do this at home. And you're just going to scream the most high-pitched scream that you could possibly scream. And like, ah! Right? Like Halloween, haunted house, and what you'll notice, likely, and everybody would give this feedback afterwards, is that their shoulders would go up and they'd squeeze their eyes shut and usually their knees would clench shut and their hips would be tight. They'd make a fist, their toes would curl under, their bum was really squeezed tight. Everything was tight. So you can imagine, what, what is your cervix doing? Mm-hmm. It's probably not getting all loose and open, making space for a baby. Your pelvis isn't getting nice and soft, yeah. giving room for your baby to come down and navigate it, make those turns that he or she needs to make. Your body's like, no, nope, no one's through. There's We're tension. We're closed. Tension. I'm scared. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about those hormones, too, that come when you have a haunted house, scary screams. Yeah. yeah. Right. That doesn't. That doesn't bring the um, safe, feel-good hormones in. So then after that, I would make everybody do the same, and I would say, now, close your eyes, and everybody at the same time, put your hands on your belly and go, oh, and make some really low, deep breathing belly sounds, like labor. And when you do it, you'll probably notice that your shoulders instantly drop, your eyes are closed. You probably soften your bum down into the chair. You can even hear my chair kind of squeaking as I do it right now. Your toes uncurl and feet flatten into the floor. And you notice that your body just becomes mm. softer and more open. And as you do that, your hips and your pelvis soften and open up and give space for your baby. That's a little bit more... That's, likely that your cervix is going to do That's what I think when we talk about getting in your body, that is such a prime example of the difference between trying to get out of your body when you scream and when you soften into your body in that exact same way. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was at a birth uh, last week and I kept saying um, she was really tight in her hips and I was saying, okay, soften down into your pelvis. And she's like, I don't get that. And I said, okay. I want you to take that breath, and Mm -hmm. I want you to, when you breathe in, I want you to take that breath down as you're exhaling and soften your pelvis with that breath. Mm. And she was like, oh, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. So you can kind of play around with that leading up to your birth. Like, how does, is it on the inhale? Is it on the exhale? But what makes sense to you? Like, how do you soften your bum? How do you soften your pelvis? Mm -hmm. What resonates with you? Because most pain makes us squeeze and shriek. I have to be honest, since I got into birth work and um, became more aware, I think, of my body in some of these ways, because I'm teaching people all the time these concepts, that I find, oh, gosh, I sit a lot with my my shoulders up 
towards my ears. Yeah. And no wonder my back kind of hurts at times. And I do think this is great prep work, both for um, the exercise you just described of making the loud noise that's high pitched versus the lower and finding how you sink into your body. But I think um, there's other ways to practice in just noticing your body. Like, where do you hold tension? How do you release of that tension? When I have a headache, I think often it's because I'm not I'm not taking a deep breath. A lot of my body is kind of clenched up and I'm not aware of it. So um, all of this has to do with actually getting in your body and being aware and just noticing noticing what you're doing. I was at the dentist not too long ago and I looked down and I realized, oh my gosh, I am totally clenching my fists right now and my shoulders are up by my ears. How about I just take a deep breath and like, I'm okay, you know, and you just kind of remind yourself to be back in your body. Um, Kind of as we talked about last week that some of the gentle touch can be helpful. Mm. Um, This is something you could talk about with your partner. Um, If you've got a doula that's going to be there, it she can be really or he can be really helpful about just maybe even putting um a a hand on your back and just that in itself can signify the like okay now relax into your body allow yourself to just kind of be in it Um, now if your mind needs to escape into you know remembering that great vacation or thinking about the waves or if other symbolic sort of things are your your vibe awesome do that but i think it's still important to be aware and present in your body um even when your mind is in those brighter spots um i love that you mentioned touch i think that's really important and i we have a little intake that we give our or questionnaire that we give our clients when, when they hire us to be their doulas and we often get people that say that they don't want touch. And then ultimately they do when they're in labor. Right. And I was just doing a little postpartum visit for somebody who even said, I didn't think I was going to want touch at all. And then I really wanted touch the whole time. And there were a couple times hmm. when you didn't have your hand on me. And I remember thinking, please bring your hand back. I really love knowing it's just there. Right. And it's not necessarily about having a massage. It's about knowing I'm not alone in this. This feels really grounding. It's an anchoring point, right? Right. When you can be lost in a big feeling and just having someone's hand on you makes you feel a little bit more settled in the world. And I think that's actually the same thing for a baby. That really Mm -hmm. applies to a a newborn of having them tightly wrapped, for instance, or just um, putting your hand on top of them and slowly rocking them back and forth. Even if they're in a a seat of some sort or a pat, that's really keeping a baby grounded as well. Um, I think massage can or touch in labor is really overwhelming for partners or support people in general. Uh, when I first started getting into birth work, I was yeah. like, I'm not a massage therapist. And it's a question that yeah. we get a lot from people. Do you have a background in massage? And I and I often kind of chuckle to myself because we are not doing massage therapist massage in labor at all. And no. I don't think that's what people really want. We're not needing no. anybody's shoulders or, you know, getting into anyone's hips. I mean, now and then people want a lot yeah. of pressure in certain spots or there's, you know, yeah. something we have to work out. But for the most part, what we really what somebody really wants is a yeah. really boring stroke. I would say I'm needing people's shoulders between contractions as a reminder of, okay, drop your shoulders, come back into your body, come in a sink in, let go of that tension. And even using kind of phrases like that, because again, we're not aware of the ways that we're holding tension in our body. So what we're going for is increasing that oxytocin and those endorphins because oxytocin is risen as we or rises, I guess that's the word, rises, as we have those feel-good hormones. Um, So sometimes what I say to folks when I'm teaching childbirth education is oxytocin is what got you into this. Um, Oxy what, Jen? Oxytocin is a feel-good hormone. Oh, I love oxytocin. I think a lot of people hear about pitocin. Exactly. Which is the synthetic Synthetic. form of oxytocin. So oxytocin is involved in helping your uterus contract um, to be Mm -hmm. in labor, Mm. but it is also a hormone that is released um, in other times in your life, not just in um, labor. So um, one of the times might be during an orgasm. 
Um, and maybe another time would be even just some of that connecting touch sort of, and we're not talking sexual touch, even just, you know, I can get a, a, some, a nice oxytocin rush by hugging a friend. Um, Snuggling on the couch. Yeah. Reading a book to a kid who's sitting on my lap. Like these are just, yeah, there, it's a time of, uh, I don't know. How would you say that? Pets of, often give you oxytocin. Right. Like, um, chocolate. Yep. There are lots of foods that give me oxytocin, guys. Oh, so many foods. <laughs> oh, the coffee. All the, the foods give me oxytocin. Yeah. Cheese. So much oxytocin in cheese oh, for me. I always really? feel really good when I eat cheese during, definitely during. Oh, wow. Maybe right. not so much after. Afterwards, there's a different, there's yeah, a different feeling, feeling besides that. Yeah. Yes. Always during, though. Yes. Always. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So some might say it's the love hormone, mm-hmm. right? So we love it. If you listen to our early labor podcast, it was called Netflix and Chill. Go back, take a listen. Um, We suggest that you Netflix and chill. And by that, we mean hang out on your, you know, around home and have sex because we want you to get some oxytocin. Or watch a really great show on Netflix that that gives you oxytocin. Your oxytocin level. But ideally, have sex and have an orgasm because that's going to give you some oxytocin that's going to get your uterus contracting. Okay, so that was early labor. We're now into active labor. You're probably not going to want to have having sex. sex. Uh-uh. But if you want to get some things going, you can get some smooches going, but also when you feel warm yeah. and safe and supported, that also helps get your oxytocin yeah. going. Yeah. Things that don't help oxytocin are things that make you feel unsafe, like right. a family member who makes you feel uncomfortable, your right. loud noises, a cousin who you promised could come to your birth, who <laughs> feels very judgmental in your room, who keeps saying, uh, should labor really take this long? Yeah. That's not so much. Not so great for yeah. the oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, I can understand that there might be some people questioning, are you kidding me? From everything I've heard about um, labor, I can't imagine that there's a lot of oxytocin involved in this. Um, it, when we're talking feel-good hormones, it's not that like, wow, this is the best time I've ever had, but it's simply a way to confuse our brain, right? Our brain goes, oh man, pain signal, pull back from that hot object, you know, when there's pain, right? And the oxytocin is basically trying to say, oh, nope, discomfort, you get to go down a little bit and I'm going to have that oxytocin be built up just a little bit. So again, those feel good sort of things like Maybe having somebody pat you on the back, maybe listening to some music, having a certain type of scent in your space, um, things of that nature. Ooh, scents. Tell me more. So I'm thinking about um, sometimes citrus sort of smells, um, peppermint sort of smell. Lavender. Lavender, vanilla for some folks. Um, We encourage putting one of these scents either on like a cotton ball or a washcloth, something small that if all of a sudden you're like, "Uh uh-uh, sure like that peppermint oil five minutes ago, but not anymore, then that scent can quickly leave. Yeah, because if you put it on your body and you change your mind, you can't get your body out of the room. Nope. Bad choice. Yeah. So don't make it permanent. Gets a little more complicated, right? Mm -hmm. So any of those things to kind of help erase... um, raise those feelings. Now let's move on to the endorphins. Ah, endorphins. I love endorphins. Not just in my coffee. Uh-huh. I like to stir a little endorphins in my coffee every morning. Yeah. So yep. endorphins are what make you feel a little sleepy. So some say endorphins are nature's opiates. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yes, I have. Because uh, back in middle school for my kids... They would talk about like, oh, instead of doing drugs, you should go for a Do run. Do endorphins. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And they're like, uh, so we're not into drugs, but it just seems funny to tell people who might want to smoke pot, instead of doing that, they should go to, for a run because it'll <laughs> feel just the same. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, true. Yeah. Hey, let's all go get some endorphins. Yeah. Okay. We want you to go get some endorphins and labor though. Yeah. Um, It's also, what makes you feel really sleepy during yeah. labor? It's what allows you to have a contraction. You're moving along. You're, like, making your sounds. Oh, having your contraction. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you close your eyes. 
and you put your head down and you're snoring. And then you eyes pop open, you perk up and you have your contraction again. And then you close your eyes and you fall asleep. And you might be listening to me right now and think, what? What is she even talking about? Falling asleep in labor? There's no no. way. Jen, how often do you see this? Often, actually. Nearly every time? Often I see it too, um, more towards pushing. Uh Uh-huh. When it's, yes, I'm going to push and now I'm going to lay my head back on a pillow and be just, you know, either asleep or into a very deep state of rest. Oh, like during pushing? Yeah. Oh, I see it like close to transition time. Okay. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it always happens in the bathtub. Yeah. Well, and so endorphins, um, a time that you might have it outside of labor is, um, hey, I'm going for a run. First mile. Oh, I feel like we're promoting running way more than I'm comfortable with. I'm sorry. I know you're not a runner. Oh, God. There has to be a bear chasing me. I'm not a big runner right now, but there's some running. Um, (laughs) That first mile is always the worst. And then you get past that first mile and some of those endorphins kick in and you're like, oh, yeah, I can keep doing this. I'm going to be okay. I can keep going. I can keep going. So that's kind of what we're talking about with an endorphin. Now, we like to kind of alert people that um, sometimes when a labor goes from one stage to another, let's say you've been kind of... um, Uh, early labor and then now you're going into active those endorphins haven't had a chance to kind of catch up Mm. so your uterus is starting to crank out these contractions and all of a sudden you're kind of finding yourself losing it a bit you're like oh i was doing okay and now i'm not well let's wait we got to wait for those endorphins to kind of catch up with this new phase in labor and um you got to find some things that um might work better um probably in the form of movement um and changing things up that way it's often a time when people decide to use some water stand in the shower have um you know get in a bathtub and sort of relax a little bit and that can help get you through that until your endorphins can go on back up it's really handy to have a support person there to remind you hey, your labor kicked up here to this level and your hormones have not. So I really recommend having somebody at your birth who you feel comfortable saying that to you um, that you believe. Yep, absolutely. Um, And now we need to talk about fight or flight. Um, Oh, I wasn't done with endorphins, Jen. Oh, sorry. I have so much more to say about endorphins. Tell me more about your endorphins. Endorphins are also what allow you to go back into your hindbrain. Oh, yes. Forgot the hindbrain. Gosh, I just love the hindbrain, right? I do, too. Because sitting right here, you know... I'm thinking way too much right now. Some people, they might be thinking, there's no way I'm going to push a baby out in front of people I don't know. Let them see my vagina... Heck Might even no. poop in front of them. Probably poop in front of them. Um, might even labor around pretty naked in front of them. Yeah. Uh, breastfeed in front of people. I mean, just so many things. Like, right. there's lots of different things that happen during labor that you might not want to do in front of people that you don't know very well. And then suddenly you're in labor and you're like, I do not care at all, all I want is to get this baby out of my body, and that's endorphins. Okay, let's um, talk for just a second um, for those who are survivors of um, inappropriate actions in their life. Um, so there, that that can be a little different for you. Absolutely, there are certainly people who that does not shut off for them. Absolutely. And so I want to be respectful about that. We are kind of talking in a mainstream, like across the board, making some big old generalizations here. So just pause for a second for those who are um, survivors. I would say that um, there is more work needed around um, that time. And um, how do you find the best support and really letting your needs be known? Hey, I'm really going to want to keep covered. And here's some other other things I'm thinking about. Okay. So and not only just for survivors, there really are people who are. do feel modest, but I think that as a whole, most people find that not just with nudity, right. but even making sounds, right. I would say. Right, right. Um, just in general, what you feel comfortable doing is very shifts different. Yes. Where I might not make a moaning sound right. in front of people I don't know. Well, I do because here I am. Yeah. Um, but I'm somebody might not make a yeah. moaning sound in front of people they don't know. 
and then they do it in labor. I think I'm speaking to um, the people that are out there who are um, similar to me when I found out I was pregnant and going, oh my gosh, I am not ready for, I mean, I'm ready for the baby part, but for the like thinking about having a baby did not feel comfortable to me at all. Mm. And, and this was, I mean, overshare here, but um, that the reality was I didn't want to be naked in front of a bunch of people. And I didn't want to have to like, you know, go to every doctor's appointment. And my perception was that there would be a vaginal exam for nine months, all these different times. And that um, is a not the case. And B, I think I would have been really helped out by a conversation like we're having right now to know that we can get into that hind brain part of ourselves during active labor and that some of those things that we would typically be really concerned about and much more modest around aren't an issue and we're thinking about so many other things and really being in our body doing this work of labor that that is it's almost like a loud voice that gets dimmed right yes and it's not there's not kind of this hey put your you know i don't know in everyday life I was embarrassed when I walked out in the parking lot and saw that I could see parts of my skin through my pants. You know, like, that's a good thing. I'm, like, wanting to keep it modest, right? Um, And yet, (laughs) if I was in active labor, I'd be like, whatever, I'm doing my gig here, right? Right. So, anyway. Yes, absolutely. So, other things that endorphins do is... make you lose all concept of time. Yeah, totally So it is not unusual for someone to have their eyes closed for a lot of labor, open up their eyes, and suddenly realize, whoa, the sun came up? How is that possible? There's no way because I just had my eyes open and it was 10 p.m. Yeah. And so the time is not moving in a normal way. Right. And that can actually be really helpful in labor when – when you're worrying about how am I ever going to do this for X amount of right. hours. Yeah. I know that labor typically lasts this long. How will I ever get through it? Well, time doesn't work that way right. when you're in labor, especially when endor- with endorphins. So that's an encouragement that when you hear people say, this is how long my labor was, know that they weren't sitting there looking at a clock. I mean, yes, for those who have a long labor, it probably has felt long to them. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there's other times that take that into consideration of when someone explains how long their labor was, that they probably were so present in their body and doing the work of labor that it, those 12 hours are a little different than your average 12 hours, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you got any more to say about endorphins? I do. One Man. more thing. So yes, the- bring it. You <laughs> like endorphins. I sure do. You know what? I just love endorphins. So the other thing about endorphins, because it, they make you really sleepy, mm. is that I think that they often make people feel like, how am I ever going to push out this baby? Oh, yeah. And this is something that I hear at every labor, even for folks who have daytime births, yeah. had a full night of sleep, labor started after feeling rested, that it's the middle of the day and they otherwise wouldn't have felt tired. Right. Now they're working hard in the middle of the day and they think, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. How am I ever going to get this baby out? Mm -hmm. That's endorphins. Now we'll tell you about adrenaline and how that comes into play, but please, please know Mm -hmm. that everybody has this feeling of how am I ever going to get this baby I'm never going to have the energy to push this baby out how am I ever going to get this baby out and you get another hormone that comes into play let's talk about that one I got some of this hormone this morning I went for a walk oh yeah you did um, I had my little earbuds in listening to another podcast not my own voice and um, this bike came up um, you know to the side of me and it was I don't know if you said on your left or whatever um, but out of my peripheral vision, I'm like, oh, what's that? Bah! You know? Um, and so I kind of jumped and immediately without me, from the time it took for my body to register ah, for an object to my brain going, oh, that's okay. It's just a bike. Um, I had a pulse that was racing and heart that was thumping and I was ready to run quick, right? So what that was, was adrenaline. So my bodies like how am I going to protect myself what's going on it's hyper alert my muscles are 
going to work faster than they typically would. So this is a good thing. I mean, for right. me, I didn't particularly... You don't want to get run over by a bike. I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, and sometimes it annoys me when my adrenaline spikes in everyday sort of like, oh, come on, that's not that big of a deal. Let's save it for something important. Um, but when it comes to labor, we love the adrenaline in active labor when you're about to push a baby out. Adrenaline, not so helpful before that time. Because you can imagine, going back to Elise um, talking before, about like being in your body, that low sort of relaxed feel versus trying to get out of your body, right? The low sound versus the high sound is that um, it's not relaxing to have some adrenaline going through your body. Um, but it does give us the energy to get the job done of pushing a baby out, right? Yeah, so we get some adrenaline right when we start pushing. Yeah. And not just those who are pushing, but it crosses the placenta to the it baby. Does. Which is super cool because then the baby gets some adrenaline and can take that first breath. Right. Super cool system in place there. So Very nice design. Adrenaline is good for everybody at this point, right? Yeah. 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 So please don't panic about how am I ever going yeah. to have enough energy to push this baby out. That is such a normal feeling. It is. And ways that you can tangibly add to some of that is maybe you need some a little bit of energy in your body. Maybe you need that drink of Gatorade that's a little bit sugary or um, some gummy bears or honey. I don't know, or some honey or some bites of yogurt. You might not feel particularly hungry, I would say, when was the last time you heard somebody in active labor say, I'm starving, I need a hamburger? <laughs> doesn't happen. Or I need a veggie burger. It just doesn't a happen, folks. Um, but what does happen is um, that you kind of feel sluggish, sleepy-ish, and that's not your natural endorphins. That's actually kind of exhaustion, and your body needs a little bit of a, a sugar spike, right? Because you are sweating a lot during labor yep, and working, working hard. hard. You're burning so many calories. So even though you don't want to eat, it's really important to eat. You're Absolutely. not going to be eating a burger or a lasagna. You're going to be eating bite. It's always the lasagna with me, isn't like, it? That's the postpartum food. Not you always give food. me that look. Like, it's lasagna? always the lasagna. What is with her with the lasagna? lasagna. I, you it know what? I don't like, even eat lasagna, which is really funny. I love lasagna. I know but you I do. I cannot imagine anyone else. Ever eating? Please let Don't me know. Don't eat lasagna. No, tell me. Did you eat lasagna in labor? Anyone out there? Please, I want to you know. You know, I ate a lot in my second yeah, labor. Did you eat like bacon? Not I ate lasagna. a pound of bacon and like six clementine oranges. So much that my daughter's middle name is Clementine. And bacon I Clementine. <laughs> it should have been wild or bacon Clementine. Yeah, it should have. String cheese, McAllister. <laughs> string cheese. <laughs> Please don't name a child string cheese. That's ridiculous. Oh my goodness. I ate a lot of string cheese and a lot of Clementines and a, oh, so much bacon. Um, but my first, I remember them saying, you need to eat a cracker and three bites of yogurt. And I was like, I will throat punch you. And I and I ate did it you? though. I did no. because okay. I knew I needed to. And you didn't, also they were You ate not throat French. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Good point. Good point. Good. No, I ate it. I ate it. Um because you have to. Yeah. You really need to. And I felt better. So adrenaline is gonna take you a long way, but you might actually need a little bit of outside energy in the form of some nutrition as well. Yes. Please. So. And even if you're feeling queasy, sometimes it's kinda like that first trimester. Please eat. Even if you're feeling queasy, it will often help. And if you're going to vomit, it's always better to have yeah. something in your belly to vomit than an empty belly yeah. when you're yeah. vomiting, yeah. right? Yeah. But we all we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. I always hate that when they're like, well, don't throw You You shouldn't eat anything because you might throw up. Whoa, nobody yeah. likes throwing up with an empty stomach. Yeah, that's not good. No. I mean, don't, don't eat a lasagna. You don't want to throw yeah. that up. Okay, so I don't hear about this much in childbirth education classes like I used to back in the old school days, but um, there used to be kind of this lots of teaching about hee-hee, ha-ha, and different types of breathing techniques. Um, little old school, and there is nothing wrong if you find that a pattern for breathing works for you, um, but I think that that 
isn't the only way that we should be teaching people how to find a rhythm in labor. Right, Elise? It's not about he, he, ho, ho, he, he, ho, ho. I don't think I've ever seen anyone brave like that, Jen. I was taught how to do that. Oh, you were? Old school. Did you do it? Never. In fact, here's natural. what happened is that I get into birth and I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm screwing this up. I, I don't remember. I can't figure out how to do this. Hee hee ho ho. Oh, no, I'm going to lose it here. Oh, no. And I got kind of stuck in my head of not, quote unquote, doing it right. Right. So really, though, what that whole breathing technique, it wasn't about the breathing. It was about finding a rhythm. Right. It was finding a ritual. It was finding a thing that you would go back to, that your brain goes back to, that you find a sense of control and um, concentration on versus sitting on the ceiling outside of your body going, ah, I feel out of control. It's the one thing that you can count on when all the other things feel very unpredictable. Absolutely. We hear so much from people that like, ah, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to have control. Yeah. And labor is so out of control and so sure. unpredictable. You don't know when this baby's coming. You don't know how labor yeah. is going to unfold. And babies are the same. Yeah. And that breath or that ritual is yeah. the one thing that you get to control. So whether that's rocking back and forth or it's tapping or it's how you breathe. Or doing, um, I, I'm thinking of circles with your hips. Ooh, um, like on a ball or yeah, standing up. Or standing up, leaning, having a little footstool um, for one of your feet and then going kind of uh, leaning in, almost mm. like doing a lunge, but you're not trying to exercise. You're just trying to rhythm back and forth. Um, I'm thinking about squeezing a partner's hand and having that physical touch um, nearby. I know when I pick up a baby, it is a rhythm and ritual that I go back to that I either pat their little bum or I rock back and forth and I don't even recognize that I'm doing it. In fact, I was with, who was I with the other day? And we were in a situation and we both found ourselves rocking back and forth because we are around (laughs) a baby. And it was this funny thing. We were both commenting. I'm like, oh, this is so funny. I'm not even holding the baby anymore but i'm rocking back and forth you know so that can happen absolutely yeah so what we want you to do is find that rhythm um and and make it your own and it can change of course absolutely so lots of things to make to find your rhythm and uh yeah okay elise let's talk gate theory and then let these folks um go I mean, not that we're keeping them (laughs) captive or anything, but to kind of give that heads up that we're going to be wrapping things up here. But let's think about very, very important gate. Oh, I love the gate control theory. And I, what I visualize is our busiest freeway. We have Ooh. a little bit of a traffic jam on our freeway. Which one? All of them at all, all times? All of them at all times. Yeah. So I imagine um, for us, it's the I-5, the Interstate 5. Um, mm. It is so incredibly crowded. But this probably works for any of your um, freeways or interstates. Yeah. Um, so imagine, if you will, that you've got a car that's kind of running slow on your freeway and that would be your pain oh. or your contraction oh and it's trying to get to a place that would be the gate but a place on the freeway um and you it's that would be the pain receptor okay and that car runs at 50 now it's going to get there like everybody does on our freeway we all get there it just takes a while right now, we want to slow it down as much as possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to flood that freeway full of pleasure. Ah. So I'm going to throw a little car on there that drives 60 miles an hour, and that is going to be massage. And then I'm going to put another little car on there that drives 60 miles an hour, and that is going to be nice lighting mm. in the room, dim lighting. And then I'm going to put words of encouragement on there, and then I'm going to put... Um, what else, Jen? Hydrotherapy, like getting yeah. in the tub or the shower. Yeah. Let's just name them all. Like, what do we have? Yeah. I w- I'm thinking of um, somebody's um, touch. Awesome. Yes. All the different things. So y- we've named a lot so far in the show, but anything that feels really great. Yeah. So um, all of those different things that feel really great to you, 
that's what you want to flood the freeway with. So the more pleasure that you can put in there that crowds and yep. causes a traffic jam. Well, like all cars on the freeway, it always gets where it needs to go. But it's going to confuse that pain receptor a little bit, and it's going to take a little bit longer for that pain to get to the receptor. Mm. So we're trying to slow things down um, and confuse the pain receptor. Yep. That's okay. the gate control. Cool. So um, not an easy thing to do, right? Yep. This is an active project that's ongoing, and there might be times that you're like, ah, it's not working, right? you got to switch it up again. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Man, we covered a lot today, Elise. We sure did. Hormones, gates. It's true. My see-through pants. Your see-through pants. And I think it's really important to remember that comfort is a funny word to use during labor. it is. Um, I think it's a pretty loaded word. And we talk a lot about comfort measures and, um, uh, you know, comfort positions in uh, comfort strategies for labor. And... Let's kind of really take that term with a grain of salt because nobody's getting comfortable in labor. Like when I think of comfort, I think of my comfy pants. Right. Like I think about putting on a pair of jammy pants and um, that is not labor ever. Right. Um, sometimes not even with an epidural. Right. Right. Yeah. We don't ever get jammy pants comfy. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I think we need to lower the bar that there's... For comfort, yeah. Yeah, there's never a time in labor where, or rarely, a time in labor where we're like, oh, this all just feels great. This just feels fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving the way this all feels as this baby moves down. I mean, maybe. Sure, but I would say overall, um, because it's a new experience, and even if you've had other children... It's still a new experience because it's a, a person who's got to navigate your pelvis and, and come out. It's a baby. It's a human. Yeah. And there's a head yes. in your pelvis. There's right. a person coming yeah. out of your body. Yeah. It's like, a big thing. That's huge. And it feels intense. And right. you're having contractions, which you need. That's important. Yeah. We want that. It helps get a baby in your arms. Um, it's a good thing. We encourage that. But yeah. I think... You know, let's let's lower the expectation. Yeah. And I think when we lower the expectation for comfort, then we're a bit more realistic about right. what labor looks like. And then I, we can... I think another phrase or another way you could word what you're saying is um, you're saying lower, lower the expectation of comfort. Um, we want to have high high hopes right but realistically when we talk about comfort in labor it's really different than comfort outside of labor it is not pajama pants and flannel sheets and um you know coziness it is it is much more of an active way of finding comfort um and feeling good in your body um and some people find comfort by information they want Ooh, to like know that. what's happening. They want the reassurance. Oh, here's what's happening with my baby's heart rate. Here's here's what you're seeing from the outside that I'm doing well. Here's um, what dilation I am. Those things for some folks are incredibly helpful. So I want to be careful that we're not insinuating that this is going to be this big, terrible experience because by no means is it, but I say the predominant language we hear when we talk about comfort and so on is sometimes really, we want to give the realistic view of it doesn't feel like flannel pants in hanging out on the couch, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's, it's a big transitional experience that your body is going through. Um, you know, the reality is, is that your body was made for this and it can do this and that it's a big process that your body's doing. Yep. Uh, it's hard and it's doable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, transitional pain also that our body's experience is when we're cutting teeth as infants mm. is that we're supposed to have our teeth come through our gums and yet it's a big transitional experience where you're going from um you know having just gums and they get all kind of red and irritated and sore and um then a tooth pops through 
it, your body's made for this. Otherwise, you'd never get to eat lasagna. Exactly. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how crunchy your That's lasagna true. Good is. Point, good point. Clearly, I don't eat lasagna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a way that we can equate that. So bringing it back to your body's made for this and... It might not just, when was the last time anybody saw this baby who's like, sweet, I just love getting teeth coming through my gums. It's amazing. It's <laughs> great. If you've ever spent any time around a baby that's teething, you'll notice that we can do some things to make them comfortable and get them to not concentrate on this discomfort they're experiencing, but it's still there. Yeah. And it's usually there in the middle of the night, right? Kind of like labor. A lot of crossovers here. So um, I think that's just a word to, we're not telling you guys you can't do it. We're not setting expectations that this is going to be a horrendous experience by no. any means. But we want to help inform those who who have heard these words like comfort in association with labor and, and kind of bring it that. down. Yeah. 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 It's a little reframing. So I want to speak to all the people in all the ways that um, you've heard about this experience. So, and we think you can do it. Absolutely. Even if it doesn't feel like jammy pants by the fire. Totally. And it might. I've, I've been to some bursts by a fire. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And you can totally labor in your jammy pants. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that works. Yeah, you for sure need to go put your jammy yeah. pants on. Hey, at home, go get your jammy pants on. And be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Facebook. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. We need more listeners. Yeah, tell your friends. I bet they're having babies too. I like Jen's, Jen's desperate plea. We need more listeners. I know, that sounded really sad. <laughs> please, please tell people. Share us with your friends. We want your friends to be our friends. Because you're our friends. <laughs> so let's all be friends who wear jammy pants together. Should I break also, into this song? <laughs> I love you. No, stop, John. Okay, okay. Also, um, don't forget to subscribe. Did you know that you could subscribe to free? For free? <gasps> I can subscribe to free? How do I do that? <laughs> no, subscribe for free to Spotify or iTunes or any of the ways that you listen to us on um, any of those apps. It's totally free. And that way, on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. when a new show drops, it pops up on your phone and it says, hey, new Pushing It episode. <laughs> That's right. You get to be the very first one who finds out about our new episode if you subscribe. And we have some really awesome episodes up our sleeve right now. Does it drop from the sky? It does. And I will just give you a little bit of a teaser. We have a super awesome holiday episode coming at you. Um, including some very fun holiday mocktail recipes um, that we will be testing out. And uh, nice. Yep. All right. Have your way. So don't miss out on those. All right. All right. Have a good week.